This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. 1945. Oh, to be a Leaf fan back then. The Stanley Cup Finals was a best-of-seven series between the Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs won the series by four games to three. Now, of course, the Leafs didn't get all of the attention in the sports world. The 1944-45 NHL season was a record-setting one for Maurice Rocket Richard. He first set a new mark for points in one game when he made five goals and three assists in a 9-1 victory over the Red Wings. That happened December 28th of 44. His eight points broke the previous record of seven held by three players, and it stood for 32 years until surpassed in 1976 by Daryl Sittler. And skullduggery by the Soviet Union was alive and well back then, too. Igor Gozenko was a cipher clerk for the Soviet embassy in Ottawa here in Canada. He defected on September 5th of 1945, just three days after the end of World War II. And he left with 109 documents on Soviet espionage activities in the West. This forced Prime Minister Mackenzie King to call a royal commission to investigate espionage in Canada. Guzenko exposed Joseph Stalin's efforts to steal nuclear secrets and the technique of planting sleeper units. The Guzenko affair, often credited as a triggering event of the Cold War. Oh, and hats off to Brantford, Ontario. January 8th of 1945, they became the first Canadian community to fluoridate its water supply. And on radio, Harold Perry was knocking him dead with his performance as the Great Gildersleeve. Sure, he ran a corset company and was the water commissioner for his town, but in tonight's episode, you'll find that that sly devil has a very romantic streak and an eye for the ladies. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah. Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you the Great Gildersleeve every week at this time, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore, with music by Claude Sweet. Let's join our friend, the great Gildersleeve, whom we meet this evening as a member of the Summerfield School Board. In this capacity, he's attending a meeting of the Parent Teachers Association in the auditorium of the Summerfield Grammar School with Miss Eve Goodwin as chairman. Meeting, he says. Well, it would be a meeting, except that so far nobody but Gildersleeve and Miss Goodwin have showed up. What time is it, Throckmorton? Time? Uh, 8.15, Eve. What time is the meeting supposed to start? At 8. 
Wouldn't it be awful if nobody came? It would suit me fine. I'll tell you what, Eve. Let's lock the doors right now so nobody can get in. <laughs> Brock Morton, what on earth for? Then you and I could play school. <laughs> Silly. I'll be the naughty boy and you make me stay after. How about it? Oh, don't be childish, Brock Morton. Childish? Don't you even want to know what I did that was naughty? I wrote something naughty on the blackboard. <laughs> All right, what was it? I love teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, can I stay after school, teacher? No, Throckmorton. Go home and write out the multiplication table 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here, Eve. Nobody's coming. We know Judge Hooker's coming because we announced him as our principal speaker. We sent out over 200 postcards. Announcing Judge Hooker would speak? Of course. Well, no wonder nobody's here. People don't want to listen to that old goat bleeding at them. The judge is highly respected in the community, Throckmorton. He has a great many admirers. Yeah, and they're all sitting right here waiting for him to speak. Count them. Well, I don't understand it. When you send a... There's someone at the door now. If it's a fan of Judge Hooker's, I want to see him. Well, by George, it is at that. Hello, Judge. Hi, Gildy. Good evening, gracious lady. Good evening, Judge. Well, where's our audience? I was just going to ask you that, Judge. You're the main attraction this evening, I believe. Maybe nobody wants to hear that speech of yours anymore. The law as the bulwark of freedom. My speech has nothing to do with tonight's attendance. The YMCA is giving a minstrel show tonight to raise money for a new pool table. That's where everybody's gone. Oh? Well, that's what we got to compete with, then. Entertainment. Yeah, but how can we compete? Well, Judge, I, I think your speech might have been a little closer to the subject of education. Just what I've been trying to say, Eve. Now, for instance, I might give a little talk on child psychology. You? I'm the authority on child psychology around this town. Juvenile delinquency, I call it. I just read a magazine article about it. So did I. Oh, please, Horace. Throckmorton. He raised his voice to me. <laughs> I... I'm sorry, Eve, but Gildersleeve is so irritating. What? Throckmorton. <laughs> now, Horace, there's nothing to fight about. You both want to talk on child psychology. Now, why can't we have a debate? Debate? By George. Now, that's something people would come to hear. Uh, have you definite views on the subject, Throckmorton? Have I? I told you I read this article. And you, Judge? I can put my views on juvenile delinquency in a nutshell. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Yeah, I might have known that's how you'd look at it, Judge. Kid steals a pack of chewing gum and you'd send him up for five years. <laughs> I'd do nothing of the kind. On the other hand, I wouldn't just give him a pat on the back. It's old dodos like you that make juvenile delinquency a problem. And it's ignorant boneheads like you that make it more difficult. Gentlemen, gentlemen, hold your fire. We'll stage the debate a week from tonight. And may the best man win. I'm sick. Leroy? Yeah? Where's that little magazine that was lying around the parlor yesterday? Magazine Digest. Yesterday? It's been kicking around here for days. Now when I want it, I can't find it. Yep, I know how it is, Unc. A philosopher, even. <clears throat> you haven't seen the magazine? Had an article on child psychology in it. Nope. Did you ask Bertie? She hadn't seen it. Oh, well, I guess I can remember enough of it. Let's see. Maybe if I could make a sort of an outline. Haven't you anything to do, Leroy? Not a thing. Well, find something. You make me nervous just sitting there while I'm trying to work. Okay. Leroy! Leroy! Somebody calling you, Leroy? Yeah. Well, answer him. 
God, there's a kid for you to play with. He's not a kid. He's just a little boy. Well, play with him anyway. Leroy! Leroy's in here, Sonny. Come on in. Oh, for corn's sake. He's too little. Hello, Leroy. What you doing? Nothing. Manners, Leroy. I don't believe I know you, young man. What's your name? Craig. He's Craig Bullard. Oh, another one of the Bullard family. Well, well, I've met your brother Marshall, and I've met your dad. And you're Craig. Well, quite a family. Let's play, Leroy. Play what? My father gave me this magic trick, but I don't know how it works. Magic? Let's see. Hey, this is the Mahatma's magic box. Cost eight seventy-five. How does it work? Well, I'll show you how it works, Craig. Now look, you sit down here on the sofa, and I'll show you the trick. Holy cow! The Mahatma's magic box, eight seventy-five. You be careful with Craig's expensive trick, Leroy. I can handle it. Look, Craig, you see, I take this quarter and I open the door of the Mahatma's magic box. I place the quarter inside and I close the door. Now, the quarter's in there, isn't it? It's in there all right, isn't it? I don't know. You just saw me put it in. You can hear it. You hear it? Yes, I hear it. But now I open the door of the Mahatma's box and we do not see the quarter. Open the other door. The other door? Oh. We open the other door, but the quarter has vanished. You moved it. Open the other door. The other door? We open the other door? No quarter. You moved it again. Open both doors. I have opened both doors. I open this door, no quarter. I open the other door, no quarter there either. Open both doors at the same time. What? Open both doors at the same time. <laughs> he got Well, I'll be. Was it really in there, Leroy? Well, sure. You saw me put the quarter in, didn't you, Craig? I thought so. Where did it go? That's a magic. Uh, look, Craig, this is a kind of a tough trick to learn. How'd you like to trade it for something easier? Leroy. <laughs> What's the matter? No swindling, please. Oh, I won't jip him. You want to trade this for something easier, Craig? Okay. I wonder if you and Craig could do your trading upstairs, my boy. I'm trying to do some work here. Oh, sure. Come on, Craigie, old boy. I'll show you all my magic stuff. He's going to swindle him. I'd rather he did it where I can't hear the details. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, let's see here. I suppose Hooker will have a lot of statistics. That kind of stuff. Maybe I should throw in a few. Uh... <clears throat> It may surprise my esteemed opponent to learn that in six large cities where corporal punishment was abolished last year, uh, juvenile delinquency fell off uh, 19%. Wonder if you'll know I made that up. Oh, my goodness. Hey! Now, now, what's the matter here? He took my magic box away from me. I did not. He took it away. Leroy, let me have the facts. I didn't take it. We traded. He said he'd trade the box for my Egyptian changing bag. Is that right, Craig? Are you willing to trade your box for the bag? The bag is torn. I want my box. <laughs> is the bag torn, Leroy? Just a small tear. Hardly shows at all. Outside of that, it's in perfect condition. How much is the bag worth? Uh, I don't remember exactly. Well, it wasn't worth any 875 brand new, was it? No. But they're hard to get now. Or they will be one of these days. <laughs> they might stop making them. 
Leroy, give the boy his box. You run upstairs with Leroy, Craig, and you'll get your box back. Thank you. I'll tell you what I'll do, Craig. If you don't like the changing bag, i got a set of Chinese rings. Upstairs, Leroy. Okie okay, doke. I think you like Leroy certainly sticks to the thing when he wants to. Yes, sir, there's a lot of bulldog Gildersleeve in that boy. <laughs> well, come on, bulldog. Get your teeth in old Judge Hooker here. Let's see. I was throwing statistics at him. Oh, yes. The average rainfall... Leroy, give him his box. He took my magic box away from me. I did not. It was a trade. Gosh, Uncle, he made the trade. The changing bag and the Chinese rings. Well, that sounds fair enough. What's wrong with that? The bag is torn and the rings are rusty. (laughs) I'm tired of this, Leroy. Stop trying to get Craig's box away from him and just play nicely. Play what? Go out in the backyard and play catch or something sensible and healthy. Can you catch a ball, Craig? Sure. He can, Uncle. He's a Butterfingers. Well, teach him. Ye gods, I am busy. Well, I don't suppose I have to write out every syllable I'm going to say there, as long as I have the general idea. Now what? Some more kids, I suppose. Come in. Oh, uh, yes, I am. Uh, pardon me, I thought it was someone I knew at the door. I'm Mrs. Bullard from across the street. Well, well, this is indeed a pleasure. Now I've met the whole family. There's a youngster of yours around here somewhere playing with my nephew. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Mr. Gildersleeve. I, I thought I saw Craig come over here. Yes, he's here. Seems like a mighty nice boy, too. I'm glad if he's made a good impression, because I, I wanted to ask you to do us a favor. Do me a favor. Anything at all, Mrs. Bullard, anything at all. Well, I've just managed to make an appointment at the hairdresser's, and I wondered if I could leave Craig over here for the next couple of hours. Is that all? (laughs) Well, I thought you were going to ask a real favor. Craig is having such a good time with Leroy. That's nothing, Mrs. Bullard. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Gildersleeve. I've got to run now, but I'll pick up Craig as soon as I get back. Don't have him on your mind. Well, pleasant woman. Seems a little young for Bullard. Mr. Gilsley. Huh? Oh, what is it, Bertie? I guess I'll be going now. Going? Going where? Did you forget? You told me I could take this afternoon off, and it's 12 o'clock right now. By George, Bertie, I had forgotten. Well, go along, Bertie. Yes, sir. I'll be back around 4.30. Goodbye, Miss Gilsley. Goodbye, Bertie. Have a good... Oh, Bertie. Oh, you want, Miss Gilsley? On your way, just ask Leroy to come in here, will you? Leroy ain't here. He left with Piggy about a half hour ago. He left? What about that little boy that was with him? He's just sitting out there in the backyard by himself. Wait till I catch that, Leroy. All right, Bertie. Thanks, anyway. You're welcome, Mr. Gilsey. Goodbye. Goodbye. Leroy has the manners of a pig. Well, maybe I'll get a chance to do some work on him this summer. Uh, let's see here. Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, what is it, Craig? I'm hungry. I want some lunch. <laughs> Bertie! Uh... Bertie! Confounded Craig, why didn't you think of that five minutes ago? Now, let's...
let's get back to the great Gildersleeve, who finds himself with Bertie away, faced with the problem of providing lunch for himself and his little guest from across the street. Well, come on, Craig. Let's go out to the kitchen and see what's there, shall we? What say? I'm hungry. <laughs> I know you're hungry. <laughs> Gonna get you a nice big lunch. All the things you like, too. What's your favorite? Ice cream. <laughs> yes, I know. But that would hardly do for lunch now, would it? What would you like for lunch? Ice cream. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> now, you know as well as I do that we don't eat ice cream for lunch. Now, let's see what we have here. Well, we have raspberry jam, if you like that. Bread and jam. And here's a can of tuna. Mmm. You could have a tuna sandwich. Now, which would you like? Ice cream. <laughs> now, look, Craig, let's be reasonable, shall we? I've got work to do, and I've got to get back to it. We haven't any ice cream, and if we had some, you wouldn't be allowed to have it. Now, we've got all this nice stuff here. Make up your mind. Which is it going to be? What does your mother usually give you for lunch? Ice cream. <laughs> all right, come on, we'll get some ice cream. <laughs> Go ahead. Why are we going in here? Because you wouldn't eat what we had to offer at home. Is this where they have the ice cream? Yes. Now go ahead. Well, hello, Mr. Gillespie. <laughs> hello, Peavy. Who's your young friend? This is Rumson Bullard's younger boy. Say hello to Mr. Peavy, Craig. How do you do? Yeah, how do you do, sonny? It's mannerly little fellow, isn't he? Well, yes, his manners are all right. <laughs> And what can I do for you today, young man? Well, Craig and I dropped in for a bite of lunch. Climb up on the stool there, Craig. Can you make it? Well, I should say so. My, you're a good climber, aren't you? I can climb trees, too. How'd you like to go and climb one? <laughs> uh, Craig's mother's gone out for a while, Peavy, so I get to take care of him. Well, now, isn't that nice? Uh-huh. <laughs> and what are you going to have for lunch, Sonny? Ice cream. Oh, but ice cream is for dessert. What are you going to have to start with? Ice cream. There's no use arguing with the child, Peavy. I've tried it. Just give him the ice cream. Well, perhaps you didn't put it to him the right way, Mr. Gildersleeve. A lot of people get impatient with children. That never works. No. You see, uh, Sonny, we don't start with ice cream. Oh, dear, no, because that is for our appetite, wouldn't it? It's no use, Peavy. Now, if you want ice cream, you'll have to eat something else first. You know, a sandwich or something. You understand? I tell you, it's no use. Now, we have all kinds of sandwiches here. Chopped eggs, Swiss cheese, tuna, tomato. I'd like tuna. Tuna it is. <laughs> Why, you look... I offered him a tuna sandwich at home, and he said he didn't want it. Yeah, perhaps the boy changed his mind, Mr. Gildersleeve. That's everybody's privilege. Huh. Now, there's your sandwich, Sonny. Want me to unwrap it for you? I can do it. Well, you're a big boy, aren't you? Fine lad. Fine lad. You see, Mr. Gildersleeve, you just have to know how to handle them. Don't forget my ice cream. No, indeed. Ice cream coming right up. Yes, sir. I've always found that reason works pretty well with children. Well, I'm not against it, you understand. I always try a reason when everything else fails. But you can't count on it. <laughs> Ah, there's your dessert, Sonny. Thank you. Sandwich first, remember? Hi, right, George, I'll say one thing for you, Peavy. You certainly have a way with kids. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, you have, definitely. 
I argued with him till I was black in the face. All you have to do is speak to him. Well, it's really very simple, Mr. Gildersleeve. You have to remember that children are people, that's all, just like you or me. You know, I'm glad to hear you say that, Peavy. I'm taking part in a debate with Judge Hooker tonight before the Parent Teachers Association. Yeah, I saw that in the paper. I was beginning to think maybe I was on the wrong side. Now, the judge, he thinks the only way to handle children is to get them into juvenile court and send them up for five years. Well, the judge has never had any children of his own. Just between you and me, I don't think he knows anything about it. <laughs> He's going to find that out this evening. I'm through. Can I have some water? Why, Craig, you've eaten your ice cream. And never touched your sandwich. Listen, you. Now, just a minute, Mr. Gildersleeve. Now, Craig, you and I had an understanding, didn't we? You were to eat the sandwich first. But I didn't want the sandwich. Well, that makes no difference. We had an agreement. So I think you ought to eat the sandwich now. But I'm not hungry. I told you you wouldn't be hungry if you ate the ice cream first. But I'm going to have to ask you to eat the sandwich just the same. But I don't want to. Listen, do you want me to tell your mother you eat that sandwich? <laughs> I'll get sick. Now, you ordered it. Now, eat it. <laughs> Come along, Craig. I'm afraid we've annoyed Mr. Peavy. Spoiled little devil. If we were mine, I'd... Well, but he isn't. Now, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Where is it? Craig, have you been... Oh, here it is. Let's see. I say, uh... uh <clears throat> Miss Goodwin, my honored opponent, Judge Hooker, fellow members of the PTA... Where's Leroy? Where's Leroy? <laughs> I've told you, Craig, I don't know where Leroy is. I suspect he's hiding. I want Leroy to play with me. Well, he can't play with you. He isn't here. When will he be back? I don't know. Where did he go? For the hundredth time, I don't know where he went. I want him to play with me. <laughs> Look, Craig, I'm trying to work here. It's very important. I've got just half an hour to finish this. Now, you go upstairs to Leroy's room and find something to do, or by George, I'll... Well, you go upstairs, that's all. I want Leroy to come with me. Leroy isn't here, ye gosh! Now what? If it isn't one thing, it's another. Well... Mrs. Bullard, so you're back. Oh, I must apologize. I'm afraid I'm terribly late. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> Come in. Is Craig here? Yes, indeed. He's been here every minute. Oh, Craig. Craigie, darling. Your mother's here. Come, Craig. Oh, I do hope he hasn't been too much trouble. Trouble? Not a bit. He's been a perfect little angel. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to hear it. Come, darling. Yes, indeed. Craig and I have gotten to be great friends. Haven't we, Craig? <laughs> Haven't we? <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve asked you a question, dear. <laughs> Cat's got his tongue, I guess. Well, he's probably tired. Had a big day. Yes. Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, I, I can't thank you enough. Oh, don't mention it. Glad to have him. Glad to have him any time. We had more fun, didn't we, Craig? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Give my regards to your husband. You must come over when we get settled. Oh, I will. Be delighted. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Now, maybe I can get something done around here for a change. Where the devil was I? Hmm. 
Maybe I'm going at this thing wrong. If I give all my arguments at the start, the judge will refute them. But if I just stall and save all my arguments for the rebuttal, he won't get a chance to answer them. <laughs> the old goat, that'll burn him up. Who's that? Leroy? Oh, hello, Marjorie. Come on in, Marshall. Uncle Mort, you know Marshall. Oh, yes, yes. How do you do, sir? Your little brother just spent the whole day here. Oh, that's so? Yeah. Over here, Marshall. Have you got the record? Yes. Is there a needle in that thing? Uh, Marjorie. Yes? If you don't mind, I'm doing a little work in here, so if you're planning to play the phonograph... Oh, that's all right. You won't bother us. <laughs> well... Rather than run any risk of that, my dear, I think perhaps I'll retire to my study. Oh, you're not disturbing us, Mr. Gildersleeve. Stick around. Yes, yeah, stick around, Uncle Mort. You'll love this. It's called Sad Sack. Play it, Marshall. <laughs> I give up. I give up. <laughs> More. Everything. I've been trying all day to get two minutes to myself here, but no. And this is the last straw. Ta-da, ta-da. When Bernie comes in, tell her I'll have my dinner served alone in my study. What's the matter with him? I don't know. He gets like that. Play it, Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> George, the judge is right about kids. You ought to send them up for five years. Everyone... <laughs> no manners, no conscience. Come in. Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> you can take the dishes, Bertie. I'm through. It ain't that. Miss Goodwin and Judge Rooker are here to take you to the school meeting. Gee, what'll I tell Eve? I'm not prepared. Oh, coming, Judge. I haven't got much time. Meeting's call for eight. Be right with you, Horace. Well, hello, Eve. Good evening, Throckmorton. Hope you're in good form this evening, Gildy, because I'm prepared to give you the trouncing of your life in this debate. <laughs> well, I'm afraid there isn't going to be any debate this evening, Judge. Why not? Because you can't have a debate when two men are on the same side. What? Throckmorton, I don't understand. You mean that now, all of a sudden, you're in favor of corporal punishment for children? Eve, if you'd spent the day I've just spent, you'd be in favor of capital punishment. <laughs> oh, well, really, with all those people down there at the meeting, what are we going to do? Now, don't get excited, Eve. I've got a better idea. Now, who wants to listen to a dull old debate? Do you judge? Do I? No. Entertainment. That's what they want. Now, I've got an idea that's going to be great. We can bring it up before the meeting tonight. What's that, Gildy? Why don't we put on a minstrel show? The Parent Teachers Association? Sure. What a perfectly awful idea. Well, I don't know, Eve. It might be kind of fun. Sure it would. Who's that fat lady I done seen you with last night, Jay? That was no lady. That was my wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's the best way to raise spinach? With a fork? Any fool knows that. Yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> Judge, uh, I'll be down to meet you in a taxi, honey. Better, better be, be ready, ready by half past eight. Oh, no, no. oh, honey, don't be late. I'm gonna meet you 
What do you got there, Leroy? Oh, I got a new way to do the trick, Unc. Is that the Mahatma's magic box? Yeah, I traded it from Craig. So you finally got it away from him, eh? What'd you give him for it, Leroy? I gave him a pretty nice deal, Unc. What did you give him? Well, it might not seem so good to you, but a kid would love it. What was it? A solid glass doorknob. And uh, 20 cents in cash. Well, a deal is a deal, I guess. <laughs> good night, Leroy. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Stay tuned for Richard Diamond, Private Detective, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoom Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Why aren't you at the office? Now, don't confuse me, dear. One question at a time. Come on in the study and I'll tell you all about it. Oh, now stop being so mysterious. You never come over here at this time of the day. Read some of these. What are they? Letters. Read them. All of them? Well, there must be at least a half a hundred. Well, close. Fifty-three. And those are only about one-tenth of the pile that's in my office. Oh, Rick! Are these... Yeah. The lovely, dear, sweet tenants in that gorgeous building right next to this one. They like your singing. Uh, read a couple. Me, me, me. Ho, ho, ho. Dee, 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 dee. Dear Mr. Diamond. La, 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 la. Rick. Go on, go on, go on. Well, stop sounding like a whole quartet. All right. Dear Mr. Diamond... I live in the building across the way from Miss Asher's apartment. Right over there. At least once a week, I sit in my living room and listen to the sounds of your melodious voice. Oh. <laughs> Last week, however, I waited for seven straight days, but without result. You did not sing. Me, 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 me. Please, <laughs> Mr. Diamond, for the sake of my family, continue to sing at least once a week. Hmm. I am beginning to nag my husband, and yesterday I took the rubber bone away from my French poodle. Everybody shall be exalted. <laughs> you see, it's getting to be a real problem with me, and if you want to save me the $25 a day, I would have to pay my psychiatrist sing. La ho! Yours expectantly, Mrs. Louise Cartwright. Rick, are they all like this? Well, certainly not. Some of them are really desperate. Now, here's the one I saved out. 
Read this one if you really want to get a charge. Oh, me, 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 me. My dearest Mr. Donald. Go on, go on, go on, go on. I have been listening to your beautiful singing. What? What do you mean, what? Oh, what you just read. I've been listening. No, 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 the last part. Your beautiful singing? Yes, I'm in a chanted evening. Oh, you show off. Go on, finish it now, finish it. Well, she's been listening to your beautiful singing. Oh, yes. Um, And many times I've seen you going into Miss Asher's apartment, and I think you are... As beautiful as your voice. Oh. What? Now, you said that. Turn off the steam and read the last part. I wouldn't miss it. Last week, I waited and waited, but you didn't sing. Everybody shall be exalted. (laughs) I know you were in Miss Asher's apartment, and you certainly had the chance. If Miss Asher is the one that that won't let you sing... Come over to my apartment. I have a piano, and I just love it. 977 Park, apartment 303. Hmm. Signed, your most ardent fan, Ellen. Mademoiselle from Armitage. Rick, what are you doing? Open your window. Don't you think it's a little stuffy in here? The air conditioning's on. Rick, now stay away from that piano. Oh, I knew it, I knew it. Ellen's right. You really don't want me to sing. At 11 o'clock in the morning? No. I want you to sing tonight when it's more romantic. Oh, shame on you. Me? Yes, you. You want to deprive those poor, discouraged people of a little honest, simple pleasure? You want that woman to take her dog's bone away again? (laughs) You idiot. Oh, no telling what'll happen. Those people might not leave their apartments for days. It'll get to be like a prison camp. Think of it. No food. They won't leave the building even to go out and get an orange or a lime or something. And you know what? What? Scurvy. Oh. <laughs> I'll be dying like flies. Well, go on. What's the matter? Dying like flies. <laughs> I wonder who thought up that bright little simile. I've got a big green fly in my office that's so tough he carries a manswatter. Oh! <laughs> well, you think it's funny, do you? Think what'll happen if those poor people stay in that building withering up with scurvy, you fiend. I... I know it. Yes. It's just that, well, I don't want to share your tonsils with anyone. I'm selfish. Me, me, me. You're more than that. You're antisocial. All right. All right. You mean? Yes. Sing. Stop, fellow. A hundred and one pounds of fun. That's my little honey bun. Rick. Yes? Did you hear something? Oh, I think so. Try it again. <coughs> All right. A hundred and one pounds. Oh, no, 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 no. Rick. Mm, yes. I heard it. That's a grouch. Rick. Yes. There's an enemy in the camp. Well, what do we do? We can't just let those people die over there. Sink him. You mean? Yes. Sing. It's your duty. You're right. It's no longer a matter of personal pride. I must defeat the grouch at all cost. For those thousand starving tenants. Thousand? Big rooms. <clears throat> Stand back. Good luck. Thank you. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. He's weakening. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. Sunshine. He's nearly done. You are my sunshine, you are my sunshine, you are my sunshine, you are my sunshine. There he goes. You are my sunshine. Rick. Dickie. 
Decidedly. Bull Run was never like this. All right. Now sing Honey Bun and save those poor people. A hundred and one pounds of fun. That's my little honey bun. Honey bun. Bun. Rick. Good grief. Bun. Rick, what happened? I don't know. I can talk all right, but the minute I go up, something happens. I hope you didn't hurt it. La, 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 la. Oh, Rick. Oh, now, isn't that ridiculous? I can't help laughing, but it isn't really funny. Come on, let's go get you some warm milk or something. Mm, me, me. Lord, I'm off, mo. Oh. Now, stop that. Give it a rest. Oh, if that grouch only knew, I may never bother him again. Well, he's the only one that doesn't like it. Poor guy. Poor guy? Now, that's a silly thing to say. Well, honey, he doesn't like it. Let's face it. He'll probably get so desperate he'll have to move. Okay, let him. I wonder what he's doing right now. I'll bet he's planning something fiendish. You think he's going to start shooting burning arrows? I wouldn't put it past him. Now, let's take care of that throat. Well, sometimes silly things like that happen. I come on like a big baritone and lose my voice. Helen has to feed me hot lemon juice and honey for about three hours. And the grouch across the way in the next apartment starts thinking up the ten best ways to eliminate Diamond. Think I'm kidding? Well, let me tell you. I didn't know it then, but that fast course of You Are My Sunshine with my own lyrics started more trouble than a hopped-up mouse in a herd of elephants. While Helen fed me the tonsil cure, old Grouchhead was dreaming of a cure of his own. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I work in the daytime, try to sleep at night. He sings at night. I switch to the night shift. He sings in the daytime. Oh, I'll fix him. I'll fix that diamond. Phone book. Phone book. Detectives. Private detail. Ah, look at that. Richard Diamond, private detective. Full page ad. Wouldn't you know it? Now, look at that slogan. Whoever you are, whatever you do, if you're too dead to walk, we'll come to you. Must be other detectives in here. Oh, here's one. Pat Kosak. Uh, You are my sunshine, eh? Diamond, I'll fix you. I'll fix you good. Is this Pat Kosak? Yeah, for employment. Uh, haven't I heard of you before? I doubt it. Probably that Shamus in Frisco. He's always stealing my stuff. Uh, uh, well, my name is Ernest Lumpkin. Happy Halloween, Mr. Pumpkin. No, no, no. Lumpkin. Lum. Okay, okay. What can I do for you? Well, I've got a problem. It concerns another person in your line of work. You mean another Shamus? Yes. He uh, sings. You mean Diamond? Oh, is he a friend of yours? A competitor isn't a friend. Diamond gets more clients than anyone in the business, so he isn't even a competitor. He's a capitalist. <laughs> he can advertise. People go to him instead of me. I hate him. Oh, uh, Mr. Koslack, hey, you're not alone. The name's Kosak, Mr. Dumpkin. Uh, Lumpkin. Lumpkin Dumpkin. You want to hire me? But uh, you don't even know what I want you to do. Can you pay me 50 bucks a day? If you can do the job in one day. For 50 bucks, I'll steal a Chrysler building and bring it over to you on a motor scooter. What's your address? 977 Park Avenue. And hurry! <laughs> Feel now. Oh, scalded. I'll be eating Zymol trochies for a week. Oh, now it wasn't that hot. Wasn't it? Honey, that lime water was so hot, Alibaba could have boiled his 40 thieves in it. Well, your speaking voice is all right. 
Every vow... Oh, I think I've swallowed a bear rug. Where are you going? Well, I can't sing, and I'm going to see you tonight anyway, so I I think I'll drop down to the 5th Precinct and drive Sergeant Otis out of his mind. Oh, Rick, that poor man. He called up last week when Lieutenant Levinson was looking for you, and he sounded like he was dying, and you were responsible. Honey, when Otis dies, everybody will be running around in spaceships. He got through the Stone Age all right, didn't he? Bye. I left Helen headed for the 5th Precinct Police Station. It was one of those good afternoons. The sun was leaning on three o'clock, and now and then a cool breeze would sail through my sinus and pump my lungs full of that easy, good-to-be-walking-around feeling. I had just about everything. Good job, good girl, and a 4 report from my insurance company. When I reached the station, I hopped up the steps and bounced into the squad room. Sergeant Otis was sitting, sitting over in the corner, making out the weekly report for the commissioner. Hello, Otis. Oh, what do you want, Shamus? Well, really nothing. I just came by to see if I could borrow one of your shoes. I'm going sailing. Oh, that's very funny. You know, someday, Gumshoe, you're going to run out of gags. Then what are you going to do? Well, I could set you on fire. That's sure to be a good uh, chuckle. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Lieutenant in? Yeah. Otis, uh, you want to know how to catch a crook? Ah, white guy. Eat a lot of spaghetti. Oh, how can I catch a crook that way? Just open that big mouth and say, oh, yeah. You'll lasso him. Hello, Lieutenant Levinson. Lieutenant Levinson? Well, how do you do, Mr. Diamond? Now, what's with the formal routine? Oh, I can't help it. Every time I leave Otis, I feel like I've just stepped out of a gorilla cage. Oh, why don't you leave that poor guy alone, Rick? Oh, he's used to it. If I started treating him like a human being, he'd get so confused, he'd probably cut off his tail. <laughs> Think what would happen, Walt, when he wanted to go to sleep at night. No more hanging upside down. Oh, brother. What's on your mind? Oh, I just thought I'd stop by and chew the fat. Well, go ahead. I already did. Chewed a whole pound right off Otis. Walt, are you sure he's a mammal? Now, you listen to me. Otis is a nice fella for a hammerhead. He can't help it, so stop tearing him down and tell me what you really want. Walt, I'm surprised at you. I just wanted to stop by and say hello. Hello. Where's the body? Now, look, there's no body, just a nice chat, that's all. Okay, but I warn you, I won't stand for any routines. And if you're mixed up in something, I have to find out the hard way. So help me, I'll put you away so far, I'll have to pipe air into you. Walt, you do. Do what? Love me. Oh. Would you like to wear my Sig Alf pin? Pete's sake, what's the matter with you? You've been growing poppies in your office? Uh, wait a minute. Yeah, what is it, Otis? Miss Asher on the phone for Diamond. Okay. Phone for you, Rick. Alan. Oh, thanks. Fifth Precinct, remember our motto, a corpse in the morgue is worth two in your basement. Oh, no. It's true, Walt, it's true. Oh, that Walt just jumped out of the window. No, honey, there's a cast system around here. When Walt feels like jumping out of a window, he throws Otis out first to see if it hurts. Oh. Hi, you, baby. Hi. Rick, a Mr. Jones called and said it was very important that he see you at once, said it was a matter of life and death. Jones? First name John? Well, he didn't say. He just gave me an address and asked you to come over immediately. 137 River Street. He called me at your apartment? Uh-huh. Hey, I never thought of that. How'd he get the numbers? Uh, no telling. Well, I'll go on over. Maybe he'll turn out to be a good client. Call you later, baby. How's your throat? Oh, la done, I'm open. Goodbye, Rick. Hey, you really sound terrible. Yeah, I'll see you later, Walt. Huh? Oh, uh, well, uh, thanks for the brilliant conversation, Sporty. Walt, just because I didn't have a corpse hidden out someplace, you get mad. All right, see if I care. Oh, now, wait a minute. No, no, I understand. Well, you can just get someone else to play jacks with. I'll send you Sam Spade. Uh, now, Rick. 
Otis. Gallatin. Why haven't you got that report in here? Uh, I've been eating spaghetti. Spaghetti? Yeah, and that diamond's a liar. I can't lasso nothing. Maybe you have to be a cowboy. Thanks, Gabby. Keep the change. One thirty-seven River Street, the address Helen had given me over the phone, was an old deserted warehouse. Now, I want to stop right here and say I admit it was pretty stupid to wander into an empty warehouse like that. But I figured that this Jones guy must be in some kind of trouble to leave a message like that with Helen. The place was as empty as a fairground in the winter. I put my hand on my thirty-eight and kept moving toward the back of the building. Then I saw a door. A sign on it said, John Jones, enter. And wouldn't you know it? I did. Hey! What's going on? Where am I? Let me out of here! Come on, Mr. Lumpkin. Let's get out of here. Let me out of here! But I don't understand. He's liable to stay in there forever. I don't want him to stop singing like that. Somebody will come along. I promise you that. I just want him to stay in there for half an hour. That's all. And Now, wait a minute. I want to know just what this is all about. You want him to lose his voice, don't you? Oh, I love it. Well, when he went through that door, he started losing it. How? Well, what's behind that door? An ice box. Come on, Mr. Grumpkin. Well, that's exactly where I was, in an ice box. Not a very big one, but a very cold one. The kind a company might have to store fresh meat and drinks. I tried breaking down the door, but it was a foot thick. I struck a match and looked around. Lots of ice, no way out. So I turned up my collar and sat on the wave. I don't know how long I sat there, but I guessed it to be about 20 minutes. I could tell because my feet had frozen up about 20 minutes worth. Then I heard that lovely sound. Rick. Rick, you in there? Yeah, yeah. Hand me an ice pick. I want to get my, my feet uncrossed. How on the devil did this happen? Well, I think one of the frozen food companies got a new idea. What's the matter, Diamond? Forget oh. your sleigh. Shut up, Otis. You think you can walk, Rick? Yeah, sure, but I, I might squeak a little. Ooh. Got a Bunsen burner, Andy? <laughs> oh, that's... Okay. How did you find me? We got a call. From a guy named Jones? Yeah. Said he was in danger and that you were coming down to meet him at the warehouse. Said he saw two guys lock you in this icebox. Oh, dandy. Did he say where he was? Yeah. Here's the address. Thanks. Hey, where do you think you're going? Well, I feel better now. I'm going over to find Jones. Well, you might get in trouble. Well, if I can find the two guys who locked me up, you can bet on it. Well, I'm going to send Otis along with you. Otis? I thought you wanted me to keep out of trouble. Oh, now, wait a minute. I can keep you out of trouble, Diamond. Oh, Otis, you couldn't find an elephant in an elevator. Uh, but come on and bring your head with you. This is the address where that Jones guy said he'd meet you. Ah, I'm Mandelbaum, Swedish massage. Hmm, this guy really picks out some great places to hide out. Come on, Otis. Speak first, or the rest of you will never get out of the car. Oh. Hey, hey, Diamond. You think while you're talking with this guy Jones, I might get me a rub down? Otis, to rub that stomach of yours, it would take a gallon of baby oil and an octopus to get anywhere. Hey, hey smells kind of good, don't it? Like a pine tree, maybe. <laughs> 
Otis, how would you remember? The last time you smelled a pine tree was when you used to run with a pack. Now listen here, Diamond. You gotta lay off. I don't go around... Yeah, what can I do for you? Holy cow. Get the biceps. Oh, I'm looking for a guy named Jones. Yeah? Who wants him? The name's Diamond. Oh. Well, Mr. Jones is expecting you. I think he's back in the steam. Which way is it? Uh, straight back. I'd show you when I gotta give a guy a rub. Come on, Otis. You must be at the end of the hall. That's a pretty bright observation. Seeing as how there's only one door and it's at the end of the hall. Yeah, yeah, that's the steam room. How do you know? By this little window in the door. What do you see? Steam. And by golly, it must be the steam room. Hey, I can't see nothing. Uh, Mr. Jones? Hey, ain't that some guy lying over there on the bench? Yeah, it looks like it. Mr. Jones? Hmm. You don't answer. No. Oh, just look, I'm going over there. Keep the door open. I don't want anyone to lock me in this place. Oh, okay. Mr. Jones, I... Well, hey, Otis. It's just a bunch of towels rolled up to look like somebody. Yeah? Uh, hey! Hey! Otis, what's the matter? Uh, diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you? Right over here. Well, what are you doing there? I told you to stay by the door and keep it open. Well, I did stay by the door until I got pushed. Pushed? Oh, no. You know something? What? I think we're locked in. Oh, 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 oh. oh, shut up, Otis. Ah, oh, but I don't feel so good. What are we going to do? Oh, why don't you be happy? It's the only chance you'll ever get to sort off some of that blubber. Yeah, you want I should look like one of the atrocity pictures? Otis, you could lose 300 pounds and still weigh in with King Kong. Yeah, there's no time to get nasty. Well, relax. Read a magazine or something. What do you mean? Just what I said. Read a magazine. Isn't that one right over there? Yeah. Oh, for Pete's sake. How can I read this thing, Shamus? The pages is all stuck together. You couldn't read the first line of an eye chart anyway. Just look at the pictures and shut up. Okay. Hey! What's the matter? This magazine. Take a look at this. What is it? It's one of the movie magazines. Uh, uh, movie Stars Parade. So what? Well, get a load of these pictures. Ain't that you? Let me see. Well, how about that? Some guy acting like Richard Diamond, private detective. Well, it looks like you. Ah, uh, no, it's that Powell guy, that actor. Carry it up. Oh, no, no, it's a good magazine. Give me that. Oh, hey, what'd you do that for? If it hadn't been for that juvenile, I could have been in pictures myself. Now, try kicking in that little window again. Ah, uh, it's no use. That glass must be bulletproof. Oh, swell. First an icebox and now a steam bath. I'm going to start thinking I'm in California. Well, don't just sit there sweating. Do something. My uniform's shrinking. Well, maybe now it'll match your head. I just can't figure this. If someone wants to, well, someone wants to get rid of me, why did they do it the old-fashioned way? Oh, don't say that. How long do you think we've been in here? I don't know. Hey, Diamond. Yeah? My socks just disappeared. Well, go kick on the door again. It's your turn. I don't think I can make it. We've been in here for days. Hey, Look at your watch. It's all steamed up. I can't tell. You think there'll be anything left? Just your shoes, Otis. It'll take a blast furnace to get rid of those. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's the matter? I thought I heard somebody outside. Yeah? Uh, help! Help! Shut up. Hey! Hey, 
Hey, what's going on in here? Who closed the bowl on the door? We're saved. Uh, would you mind helping us out, old man? We seem to be a little limp. Hey, where's Mr. Jones? Hey, what are you doing in here with your clothes on? Trying to get them steam clean. Yeah. Oh, fresh air. Now, would you two guys mind telling me what this is all about? Maybe you better tell us, Buster. I don't know what you mean. Who locked the door on us? How do I know? I give a guy a rub. When I come back, I find the door bolted. Hey, where's Mr. Jones? You sure he was in the steam room? Sure. He comes in and says he wants a steam. You should show up. I should send you back. I told him I was going to give a rub to stay in long as he liked. Did he ask you how long the rub would be? Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, he did. I said it'd be about half hour. I don't get it. I don't get it. He wanted me in that steam room for just a half an hour. He wanted me in that icebox for about the same time. What's with this? Diamond, look at this uniform. Oh, I think it's lovely, Otis. You should always wear knickers. Rick, this is stupid. Didn't the guy at the steam room tell you what this Jones guy looked like? Well, from the description, could have been anyone. Look, I'm just as mixed up as you are. Well, we'll keep after it. Just don't worry, that's all. Uh, hey, Diamond. Miss Asher just called and I told her what's been happening. You mean you know? No, but I told her anyway. She said you should come right over because she had dinner for you. And she wanted to take care of you. <laughs> Isn't he lovely, Walt? Think what that head is going to look like in a bottle. Oh. Now you got him sore. It's going to be horrible around here. Well, isn't it always? Now I'm going on over to Helen's. Keep after that Jones guy and let me know if you run across anything. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Clumpkin? Lumpkin. Okay, how are you? Uh, come in, come in. Well, um, you think it did the trick? Look, when Pat... Cossack. Uh... Uh, yeah, Cossack. Well, when I do anything, the results are guaranteed. I just hailed Diamond from the station. He went into his girlfriend's apartment across the way. Oh, goody. <laughs> Let's see what happens tonight. I'm staying home from work just to hear him not sing. Yeah, about my 50 bucks. Oh, look, he's never in that apartment more than 10 minutes before he starts singing. If he goes over 15, you get your 50. Come on. What are we going to do? Raise the window. I don't want to miss the lovely silence when he opens that big bazoo. <laughs> okay, funny. I'm sorry, Rick, but your clothes have shrunk so much. You should see Otis. I'm sorry. Well, you should be. I don't know what I've been through. Oh, yes, I do, and Mommy's going to make it better. Here's a nice drink. I don't want a nice drink. Oh, it's strong enough. Well, put it in a dirty glass. You just drink it. Okay. Oh, wow, my throat. Ha! You hear something? No, why? Nothing. Your throat's still pretty bad. Don't know. Me, 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 me. Oh, hey, it's pretty good. That sounds great. Oh, no! Now, I heard something then. Yeah, so did I. It's a grouch again. Give it to him. Oh, you bet. I feel mean. A hundred and one pounds of fun That's my little honey bun Get a load of honey bun tonight I'm speaking of my sweetie pie Only sixty inches high Every inch is packed with dynamite 
Her hair is blonde and curly. Her curls are hurly-burly. Her lips are pips. I call her hips. Twirly and whirly. She's my baby. I'm her pap. I'm her booby. She's my trap. I am caught and I don't want to run Cause I'm having so much fun With honey bun Hey, what's going on over there? Your contract! Okay, but don't hit me again If you keep the 50 bucks Anyone sing again, huh? Said you fixed it! Well, I'll fix you! No, not that Put down that chair You know that ice box and that steam bath were the best things in the world for my throat. Yes. After you lost your voice this morning, I didn't think anything was going to help. But that ice box and that steam bath really did. Diamond! Oh, hello, Mr. Lumpkin. Did I hear you say you lost your voice this morning? That's right, Mr. Lumpkin. They didn't think I was going to get it back either. Good night, Mr. Diamond! You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Jack Crucian, and Stephen Dunn. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written and directed by Blake Edwards. Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell, was previously released over the National Broadcasting Company for listeners in the United States and has been re-released to you men and women overseas by the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me again next week for more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.